Next, this month's special series, Focus on Cancer. Throughout the month of April, ReachMD talks to experts in the field about new research channels and treatment options in cancer care. Whether cancer originates in the colon, breast, or elsewhere in the body, the liver is one of the most common places to which a malignancy will spread. When this occurs, if it's possible to control the metastasis in the liver, we may have a much better shot at holding the original tumor at bay. A technique called hepatic perfusion may also help us do this. What is hepatic perfusion and what might be its role in the chemotherapeutic process? You are listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Cancer. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon, and our guest is Dr. H. Richard Alexander, Associate Chairman for Clinical Research in the Department of Surgery at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Alexander. Thanks, Dr. Hill. Dr. Alexander, just how common are liver metastases? You know, that's a very good question, and I will tell you that liver metastases are far more common than what people may appreciate. If you think about colorectal cancer as an example, every year in this country, approximately 20 to 40,000 individuals with that diagnosis will ultimately develop liver metastases. That number in and of itself exceeds the incidence of all other primary GI tract cancers except for colorectal cancer. Now, I remember some years ago, when I was doing liver surgery for metastasis, this was a common procedure where we would resect isolated or even several liver metastases from colorectal CA. Is this done as much now as it was years ago? Probably even more so. And the reason for that is because we've now developed much more effective systemic chemotherapy agents to treat patients with metastatic colorectal cancer to the liver. And as a consequence, the criteria that have been traditionally used to judge someone as having resectable disease have really been expanded. In fact, there are a number of individuals who may present to their physicians with what has traditionally been considered unresectable disease. And because of the benefit of systemic chemotherapy given in a neoadjuvant context, that is before any surgical procedure, sometimes these tumors can be rendered resectable. So I think we're seeing an increasing use of surgery in the treatment of this condition. Well, when do you consider hepatic perfusion and how do you do this? Well, the realities are that most people with metastatic cancer to the liver do not have resectable disease by almost anybody's definition. So even though we do talk about surgical resection for many different types of tumors, the realities are that that represents the minority of individuals who really have the condition. Hepatic perfusion is one of those types of treatments that belongs in the family of regional therapies, that is, liver-directed therapy. And they all share some common features, the most important being that you can intensify the treatment to the cancer-burdened area of the body and minimize systemic toxicities with the hope that you'll have an increased effectiveness. Now, how do you approach the liver in terms of this? Well, you know, there are fundamentally two different ways of performing hepatic perfusion, but they take advantage of the fact that tumors in the liver, metastases in the liver, derive their blood supply principally from the arterial supply, not from the portal venous blood supply. So if you were able to isolate the liver by some physical means, and there are different ways of doing this, then you could really deliver high doses of chemotherapy into the liver itself. And as an example, 
Uh, we are currently at the University of Maryland Medical Center, one of the institutions conducting a trial using a percutaneous hepatic perfusion technology. This is a method in which we can deliver high-dose chemotherapy directly into the hepatic artery. The chemotherapy does not have a significant first-pass effect in the liver, and so most of it will go through the liver and into the venous circulation. What we can do now with a specially designed catheter is collect the hepatic venous effluent as it comes out of the liver and put it through an extracorporeal filtration system and remove most of the chemotherapy, almost 90%, and then return that blood to the patient. So by doing that, you can actually give a tenfold higher dose of chemotherapy than what would normally be tolerated, and that gives you very, very dramatic anti-cancer effects in many people who get treated. And this is all percutaneous? This is all done percutaneously with a catheter in the femoral artery, a second one placed in the saphenous vein. They're threaded up into their positions around the liver. The procedure is done under a general anesthetic in the interventional radiology suite, but most people will leave the hospital within 24 hours after the treatment. Why is it done under general? Well, it's done under general because the filtration system is not specific for chemotherapy. And so what we have found is that the filters will also remove catecholamines and other vasoactive agents in the blood. So the patients will have changes in blood pressure that I think are easiest to control if they're under a general anesthetic and then the anesthesiologist can apply whatever kinds of volume resuscitation or other vasoactive agents that we might need to maintain blood pressure during the treatment. Many of these people are on a brief period of levofed just as a substitute for the catecholamines that are filtered. So until we can refine the technique a little bit more and maybe make the filters a little bit more specific, I think it's just safest for the patient. Now, what are the chemotherapeutic agents most commonly used? Well, with respect to hepatic perfusion, and it's a very interesting story, liver perfusion was really developed because of the experience that was derived in patients with melanoma of the extremity. Those patients were treated with isolated limb perfusion using melphalan, which is a very well-established, older chemotherapeutic that has a very nonspecific mechanism of action. It basically binds to tumor DNA, causing tumor necrosis when the cells try to divide in the tumor. So a number of institutions started to use this technique in the liver and used melphalan to treat tumors in the liver, although melphalan has not traditionally been considered an agent that's active against adenocarcinoma, which is the most common type of cancer that metastasizes to the liver. But what we found when I was at the NIH is that the effect of melphalan, when you can give high enough doses via hepatic perfusion, is really remarkable. So we've used principally melphalan, and there are some other centers that have used other agents, but I think the bulk of experience is with melphalan. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. H. Richard Alexander, Associate Chairman for Clinical Research in the Department of Surgery at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. We're discussing potential advances in the chemotherapeutic techniques for liver metastasis. Dr. Alexander, if I'm resecting a colon carcinoma and I see a liver metastasis, and I decide for one reason or another I'm not going to resect it at that time, would it be worthwhile for me to put in an isolated hepatic perfusion catheter within the hepatic artery itself? You know, that's an excellent question. And in fact, some years ago, and I'm going to guess it's probably about six years ago, there was a very influential publication that was published by the investigators at Memorial Sloan Kettering. At that time, the study was designed to established the effectiveness of these hepatic arterial infusion catheters 
for patients with metastatic colorectal cancer liver metastases. It quickly gained a lot of favor. But what happened then is that we had significant advances made in the development of more effective systemic chemotherapy agents. And so these new agents, when used in combination, had a level of efficacy that was equal to, if not better, than what had been traditionally been possible with the hepatic artery infusion pump. So the pump has really fallen out of favor as more and more individuals have used systemic combination chemotherapy for these indications. And I would say that there are certain advantages to it, which are that you can treat the entire body so that if anyone were to have micrometastatic disease outside of the liver, you would have the advantage of treating that as well as the tumors within the liver. So the use of the hepatic artery infusion catheter has really not gained widespread application uh, over the last several years. Now, you mentioned that when you do the percutaneous approach for hepatic perfusion, that there are a lot of hemodynamic changes and instability. What other problems or challenges do you have when you administer that type of therapy? So, Dr. Hill, before I answer that, I should just explain that this percutaneous hepatic perfusion that is being developed is being done only under the auspices of a clinical research protocol and is not really considered standard of care as of yet. The trial that we're running with a number of other centers in the country is one in which we hope will lead to the licensing of this technology so that it can be considered standard of care, particularly for patients with metastatic melanoma. And then we would hope at some point that we could establish this role with other diseases as well. The things that can occur with this type of treatment outside of the hemodynamic changes are really those related to coagulopathy. The filters, again, being nonspecific, are the culprit of these side effects. And what happens is that people have their coagulation proteins and their platelets sequestered in these filters so that when they come out of the procedure, they have a pretty significant coagulopathy. What we've learned by using uh, fresh frozen plasma, platelets, and cryoprecipitate is that we can correct the coagulopathy usually within a few hours, and then the patients will generally go on to recover very quickly from the procedure. But hemodynamic changes during the treatment, coagulopathy as a consequence that needs to be treated after the perfusion of the two major toxicities associated with it. And how have the patients in whom this treatment has been performed, how have they done thus far? You know, they've done, I think, surprisingly well. I'm very encouraged by what we've seen with the preliminary data. What is some of your preliminary data? Well, what we found at the NIH is that, and I'll give you two examples, in patients with metastatic melanoma, the life expectancy in that group is typically measured in just a few months using best available treatments, including embolization or systemic chemotherapy. We had over a 50% response rate in that group of individuals, and the duration of response went on to exceed one year in some cases. In fact, I know in two individuals out of 12 that we treated, the x-rays turned completely normal. That is to say, all the measurable disease completely disappeared. We also saw very high response rates in patients with metastatic colorectal cancer. This was a group of individuals who had already been treated with systemic chemotherapy, and the tumors were resistant to additional treatment. And in that case, second-line therapies have always been marginally effective. So we were very encouraged by the fact that even in those individuals who had been previously treated with chemotherapy, we could see very high response rates in metastatic colorectal cancer. Does it make a difference what the primary is? You know, it's a good question, and the short answer is that we don't know, but I don't think so. I think that what we've learned is that by using this 
technique as a physical means to deliver high doses of chemotherapy to the liver that we're showing there's nothing inherently resistant in cancer with respect to chemotherapeutics. The major limitation in the field of oncology is that we have to stop increasing doses of medications when they're given systemically because of side effects. Here we have a technique where we can circumvent the side effect problem, increase the dose significantly, and using even a very old basic type of chemotherapy, melphalan, we can see very significant anti-tumor activity. And I think it's a message to the medical oncology community at large that really what we need to do is not only think about new agents, but thinking about improved methods of delivery of our agents selectively to the tumor. And I think that's going to be a growing area of research in the future. Well, do these patients who get hepatic perfusion also get systemic chemotherapy? They can. Under the auspices of the protocol, we have not done that, at least in the period immediately following the treatment. But invariably, people will want to do whatever they can to try to keep the tumors in check for as long as possible. And I would say that if you've got a good response to chemotherapy with any type of regional therapy to the liver, that's a time when I think chemotherapy may have a very important role in preventing recurrences from developing. If you look five years down the road, Dr. Alexander, do you think that we will be using this type of hepatic perfusion as a routine type of treatment for hepatic metastases? I don't think there's any question. I don't think there's any question. The reason I say that is that the whole field of medicine is evolving here. As we treat patients with these solid organ cancers that have metastasized the liver, we're learning that the old paradigm of treating somebody with just a sole mode of treatment like chemotherapy until they've taken as much as they can or the tumors have become resistant is being replaced by this integrated planning method where you basically look at all the available types of treatments that are out there and you try to put them together in a way that's going to translate into the best outcome for any one individual patient. And I think that's going to be a combination of interventions, including regional therapies and systemic therapies, put together in a way that takes advantage of the strengths of each. So I think we're going to be using integrated management for this type of condition more and more regularly in the future. I want to thank our guest, Dr. H. Richard Alexander. We've been discussing potential advances in chemotherapeutic techniques for liver metastases. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Cancer. For a program guide, complete list of shows, and podcasts, please visit us at ReachMD.com.